Good to have uh, the Youth Gospel Choir back singing again today. May we all press on in Christ. Some of you are here today um, not doing particularly well. You are, uh, you are stressed, you are a bit anxious, you are worrying about um, something. Perhaps uh, you are uh, sideways because of the kinds of things that get reported uh, on the news. Uh, you are very bothered by the uh, massively unfunded uh, kinds of pensions in the state of Illinois, or you're quite disturbed about Iran's march towards a nuclear weapon, or maybe it's that the Asian carp are going to take over Lake Michigan. You, you've read something in the news, you've heard something that has put you sideways, but my guess is that it's far more likely that it's uh, things much closer to home that have you unsettled. You are, uh, you are worried about your job or lack of a job. You're concerned about health of your parents, marriages on fumes, or your kids are not doing well, or something has you frustrated, anxious. You, your stomach is always sort of churning. You haven't slept well in uh, a long time. <clears throat> and the idea that God promises a transcendent peace to his children is a pretty hollow dream to you at this moment. Well, I'm uh, glad that you're here because that is the promise that we are going to look at this morning. We have come to this passage uh, in Paul's letter to the church in Philippi that is many people's favorite. Um, as a matter of fact, I suspect that it's not underlined in your Bible. That's because you're new to faith, or you have a new Bible, or you don't underline. Because this is one of the first ones, generally, that get underlined. Um, the Apostle Paul, writing from his prison cell in Rome, waiting for the announcement on whether or not his life is going to be ended or he's going to be released, the Apostle Paul writes to his friends and he says to them, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This week and next, we're going to look at this, uh, this directive that we are not to be anxious, we're not to worry, we're not to be stressed out, but instead we are to lean into God. We are to relax in His goodness and His faithfulness. We are to rehearse his promises, we are to draw strength from his nearness to us. We are to, to move through life with a, with a deep, sort of uh, stable, abiding sense of joy and hope that is independent of our circumstances or independent of our immediate circumstances. Paul doesn't write the kind of thing that, that you will pick up at the airport bookstore about how to deal with stress. Okay? We don't generally uh, 
read a lot of authors who are publishing from uh, death row, and if they are writing from death row, they're probably writing uh, an appeal to get out or a memoir of why they're not guilty. And those that we do read who are writing about peace and contentment, fulfillment and joy are usually uh, writing from some quiet, you know, countryside uh, cottage or the deck of their yacht. And so uh, this is very different stuff. Paul is in prison, a first century prison. He is uh, awaiting a trial, and uh, should he be found guilty, execution will be swift. There will be no delay. And so he has reasons to be anxious, but he writes and coaches us on how we can actually find peace. Now, if you want to open your Bible, you can open it to Philippians chapter 4. We will eventually get there. I want to start by... um, giving you a short little primer on anxiety and stress, just to make sure that we're all sort of thinking about this the same way. Six points I want to make. The first one is that uh, we, we may use different words to talk about stress or anxiety or worry, and people may use those words differently, but most of us recognize that there is a spectrum between peace with God and sort of total chaos in our life. At this end of the spectrum, we, we could picture a, a newborn baby with a full belly and a clean diaper asleep uh, in his mother's arms, uh, not a care in the world. And at this end down here, we can picture someone in, in having an anxiety attack, right? They're, they're heart is racing and they can't catch their breath and they're agitated and they can't think and they're just, they're just beside themselves with worry and, and, and stress. Now, in light of that spectrum, it's worth noting that, that some part of this is actually sort of what we might call good stress, right? They're, they're, we're supposed to be concerned about things and people, right? We're supposed to care. We're supposed to love. That sort of puts us at risk for being concerned, to, to be uh, worried about some people and the direction they're headed. Additionally, we need a little bit of anxiety in order to, to sort of get out of bed in the morning and to do our, our best, right? I mean, before the game, a lot of times if people don't care, uh, and they're not anxious, that's not a good sign. You want people sort of getting a little bit worked up. And additionally, there's some part of this that people actually enjoy. Right? There are, there are uh, some people who climb sheer rock faces and jump off of tall buildings and do other things because they love the adrenaline rush. And so uh, most of us don't, but we'll recognize that some part of this spectrum is good concern. But somewhere down here, it becomes uncomfortable, and somewhere further down here, it's just miserable. We don't like it. Secondly, we should recognize that there are different uh, causes of stress. Some of the causes of stress are more significant than others. A lot of the things that we actually get anxious about are not all that important 
they're just urgent. We can't find a parking spot, which in the grand scheme of things is not that big a deal, but we're late to our meeting. And so we start to get more agitated because we can't find a place to park. Well, we've got that kind of anxiety. And then there's also a more basic anxiety. There is, there is uh, sort of an existential uh, dis-ease with what is going on. W.H. Auden won a Pulitzer Prize for a poem he wrote in 19, uh, the late 1940s or mid-1940s called Age of Anxiety. And in this poem, he imagines four men who are meeting in a bar right as World War II is ending. And Auden is writing sort of a little bit autobiographically because as, as it becomes obvious, he starts this in 44, when it's obvious to, to most people that the war is going to end and, and the Allies are going to win, he realizes that this unsettles him because now he doesn't really know what he's going to do with his life. It had been very easy before that to know, you know, stop Hitler. But now there would be these big questions about, well, what is worthy of my life? What do I give this to? And so he suggests that there is this underlying existential angst about whether or not we're really on the right path at all. And that can make us anxious. So there's different causes of anxiety. Some more weighty than others. The third thing that we should know about stress and worry and anxiety is that it's not particularly good for us. People who are under a lot of stress tend to get sick more often. We age more quickly, right? And it's essential, essentially, that we're just sort of stewing in our own juices. You're you're probably familiar with the the, the wonderful mechanism that God gave us, this fight-or-flight response to trouble. Within a fraction of a second of things going wrong, our hypothalamus dumps all kinds of chemicals into our bloodstream, including adrenaline, and we quickly move to high alert. And our blood vessels constrict, and our blood pressure goes up, and our respiration goes up, and our pupils dilate, and we are ready for action. And it's amazing. You know, we've got a we've got a shot of energy. I ran my fastest mile ever in my life about 25 years ago while being chased by a pack of of dogs on some country road in Indiana. And uh, I was there were 15 dogs they were coming after me and I was quite certain that I would be lunch if I didn't get away from them. But even as I was scared, I remember thinking, this is incredible. I can't run this fast. (laughs) Right? It's like, I I really had time to think, I'm really disappointed that I don't have a stopwatch right now. Because I will will never do this again. There's, There's some upsides to this fight or flight response that we have. The challenge is, um, that shot of adrenaline that we get uh, is only helpful if we are going to, you know, fight or run. And some of us haven't done either in 25 years. And uh, you don't need a shot of adrenaline if you're caught in traffic and think you're going to miss your plane, right? You need 
less adrenaline, not more adrenaline. And this adrenaline doesn't, it's not kind to us. It, it tends to cause some problems if we have it and we just live in this ongoing state of anxiety. And so uh, I'd give you the list of all the things that could go wrong, but it would just make you more anxious. So I'll, I'll move on. Point number four, there are plenty of reasons for us to be stressed. If you want to be anxious, there's just lots of legitimate reasons to do so. Picture a bullseye, we'll call our circle of concern. And in the center of that bullseye are our primary relationships, right? Our closest family and friends. And a little bit outside of that are, are sort of good friends and, and work-related issues. And a little bit further out are, are other friends and associates, you know, people that used to be really good friends but we haven't talked to in 10 years. And it goes out further than that. And eventually we could just put everything and everyone on this bullseye, this circle of concern. There's there's always things on that target that legitimately could cause us to be stressed. I mean, it's just, it, to love is to risk. Right? It's to put yourself out there to be hurt. And, and it, it's not a bad thing, but it means that there will be times when you will be anxious and worried and stressed because you care for people who are not doing well. I, I remember um, a, a specific moment when I realized that I had signed up for the rest of my life to be concerned about someone. I, I had been, when Sherry was pregnant with Austin 24 years ago, I, I had, I remember having this conversation, uh, I remember thinking this and having this conversation and saying, you know, I'm a little bit nervous about all of this. I will feel so much better when I know that Sherry's fine and the baby's fine, right? If I, if I get to that point, then I'll be good. Okay, so we got to that point and then took uh, Austin and, you know, a day later and we went home and I remember walking into our little apartment and suddenly realizing that uh, there were a thousand things that could go wrong. And, and 500 of them I couldn't do anything about. And that, that I had signed up to, to care for this individual for the rest of my life. And I was now at risk to a, a, another, a whole nother dimension of stress and anxiety. There, there are legitimate reasons for us to be stressed if we are going to be stressed. Point number five. Many people are. There's plenty of reasons to be stressed, and so many people are stressed. There was an article in the Chicago Tribune two weeks ago that suggested that Chicago uh, was the eighth most stressed place in the United States. This is different from this month's Forbes magazine, which suggests that the 
misery index in Chicago is the sixth highest in the country. This is the one that says 81% of people in Chicago report being stressed. There's uh, a lot of anxiety out there. I asked a, a, a therapist who works in the area, I said, what percentage of the people that you see on an ongoing basis are you seeing because they're anxious, they're, they're worried, they're stressed? I said, most of them. They don't always, they don't always understand that to be the, the issue, but most of them are in that category. And I've read that, that uh, the anxiety-related issues are the number one mental health challenge that we face. 18% of people have a serious anxiety issue. Lots of people are stressed. And that brings me to the final point here, that some of the ways we deal with stress are better than others. Uh, go back to the spectrum, there are some very uh, unhealthy ways that people who are under stress try to cope. Drinking to excess, drugs, cutting themselves, right? There are, there, are, there are ways that people who are in pain and just can't sort of go forward are looking to medicate, to, looking to sort of just take the anxiety away, whatever it takes. In the middle, there are a whole bunch of ways that we try to manage the stress that we have. And these, are, these can be very, you know, these can be uh, appropriate responses. It includes exercise or massage or a vacation or uh, some sort of relaxation techniques. Lots of, of, of medication falls into this category. You know, Xanax and Advan and other things or mood stabilizers like Prozac. There's a lot of people trying to just manage life in light of the stress that they have. And then there's a third category where we actually try to relieve the stress. We try to prevent the stress from actually ever showing up. And some of this is very simple stuff, like, you know, you've got too much caffeine in your system. Some of it is more... Um, long-term sort of uh, meeting with a therapist to try and understand why you're anxious about certain things. What are the triggers here? So you can understand your own story better. And, and some of them are sort of significant life-altering decisions. I'm, I'm not a particularly anxious person. I used to be. And uh, I can get... Uh, anxious, and if I do, I know because I carry it right back there, and I can just feel that tightening down, and that's one of the first signs to me that, that my stress level is, is higher than I have recognized. But um, I, I tend to try and manage the stress of life and, and pastoring through exercise, running in particular, and so when there's more stress, I run further. But Occasionally, I've had uh, sort of moments where I've said, I've got to change the course that I'm on. Right? Five years ago at a halftime event in Dallas, I had a moment of clarity and said, you know what, I can't continue to run, be the president of this mission society and try and raise a million dollars a year and pastor this church. I have to step down from one or the other. I can't 
I, I have to get rid of some of this stress. I cannot do it well. So there are moments when uh, we sort of alter our course. The Apostle Paul's advice to us falls in this third category. But it is, as you might expect, very uncommon advice. Very unusual advice. It's not advice that is in any way independent of our circumstances. It's sort of, it's not tied to them. It's just remarkable what he says and how he coaches us. And there's a, about a half dozen points here. I'm just going to make the first few today, and we will pick this up again next week. There are three points I want to make this morning. The first two you will not see jumping off the page, but stay with me. I believe the first thing that Paul would say to people who are anxious, who are worried, who are stressed, would be, put your faith in Christ. Accept Christ. Get right with God. Paul is not particularly interested in helping people who are not at peace with God to be at peace with themselves. Quite the contrary, he would do a whole lot to try and make people who are not at peace with God very anxious. There's lots of people that don't follow that path. The prophet Jeremiah, in writing in, in chapter 23, says, um, this is, this is what the Lord Almighty says. This is Jeremiah speaking for God. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, okay, to those who despise God, the Lord says you will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their own hearts, they say no harm will come to you. But which of them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see or to hear his word? Who has listened and heard his word? Many people say peace, peace when there is no peace. Right? It's the wrong advice. Jesus, in in Matthew 10, makes this, this horrifying statement. He says, do not fear. And understand anxiety is a sort of a subset of fear. Do not fear those who are able to destroy your body, but unable to destroy your soul. Instead, fear him who's able to destroy both body and soul in hell. And in Luke 16, he writes about the the rich fool who, who is carefree, who says, I've got so much money, I've got so much wealth, I can't even contain it all. I've got to build bigger barns to hold it. And he says, you fool, this very life your soul will be required of you. The, the, the first thing we need to hear is not relax, it's repent. You need to be right with God. You, you don't get the peace of God without being at peace with God. Jesus says in John 14, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. The peace of God that transcends all understanding is something that is available to the children of God. Point number two. Also a little hard to see in the passage that we've read, but it's there. Is cultivate close friends. 
Remember, this section is, is being written about peace generally. And it started with Paul's counsel to, these, to the whole church for these women, to help these women get along. That there would be peace within the church. And then there's this discussion about peace of God and then peace within our own hearts. They're, they're all linked together. And, and woven into the, this, this letter is the understanding that we need each other. That we've got, we've got to have friends. Christianity is not a solo sport. We, we need to be in community. We need other people to help us walk through life. We, we need other people that we're going to gather with and worship with. We need other people to whom we're going to confess our sins. We need to bear one another's burdens, Paul says in Galatians 6. We need other people. That's the way God made us. One of the, one of the remarkable things that happens is that when we share our troubles with close friends, it, we cut it in half. Right? When we share our joys with close friends, it multiplies. Right? We, can, we can multiply the upside by being in community, and we can cut the, the, the stress in half just by being with other people, just by having them around. You've, you've heard the statement, misery loves company. Right? And, and sometimes that's sort of stated, you know, well, if I failed the exam, I want you to fail the exam. But, but there's, a, there's another way to understand that, and that is, I just don't want to be alone. I just don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to bear this alone. And, and, and we just need other people to be in our lives, especially when things are not working. And, and sometimes I'll get a call from people who say, I'm, I'm, I'm going over to see a friend and, and their father just died. Or I'm going to see so-and-so, they just lost their job. I'm going to so-and-so, you know, her, her, husband, her husband left her. I, what do I say? And I generally say, as little as possible. Just go. Just be there, right? Because your presence is is. A, a big part of what is needed. We go through life together. One of the, one of the worst little episodes in my life happened uh, as I was starting graduate school down the street 400 years ago when I was in graduate school. And it, I, before the semester started, I uh, enrolled in one of these compressed uh, Greek in, you know, three weeks of Greek to cover a year kinds of classes. Uh, and I mistakenly, I did two things that were very stupid. Uh, one of them was I sort of enrolled in a class that I didn't have any right to be in because I, I didn't sort of have the prerequisite Greek that I needed to get into this. It was a review as opposed to the full class. And secondly, um, I read the schedule wrong and I showed up a day late which is sort of like a week late, right? So the first thing that I did was fail to turn in the assignment, and then I took a, a quiz, which I failed. And I proceeded over the course of the next week to fail uh, every quiz that I was given. And I started to get really convinced that I was not going to make it. And what was going to happen? I, was, I wasn't 
failing everything wasn't, I didn't have a lot of, some, but not a lot of experience with that. And I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to get kicked out of school, and I won't be a pastor, and what am I going to do? And I just got into a pretty quick tailspin. Now, I look back on that from some distance, and I'm, first of all, sort of embarrassed and ashamed that I let that particular problem become as big in my life as it became. If somebody said to me today, if somebody came up to me today and says, I'm failing this class at Trinity, I'd just sort of laugh and go, yeah, me too. Hey, don't worry about it. It wasn't even a class. This wasn't even a, this, this wasn't even a class. It didn't even count. And somehow I'm persuaded that everything is going to come unraveled. The second thing that I realized looking back on that is that a big part of my problem is that I didn't have any friends. I had moved to an area, I knew nobody, and in this quirky thing that I still don't understand, I'm the only guy living in this dorm. They're painting the dorm, and some, for some reason, everybody else is in another dorm. I'm by myself in this dorm. All I'm doing is failing every day, and I didn't have anybody to just come along and say, hey, you're going to be okay. It's going to, you're going to be okay, and You'll probably pass, but even if you don't, it's not that big of a deal. And just, just somebody to talk to. I didn't have that. We need people. Especially because sometimes these are big deals to us. Right? This was not a big deal. We need people who will remind us, the children of God, that all things will work out in the end. That all things will work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And that leads us to the third point. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. We are to find joy in the Lord. We are to remind ourselves of his goodness and his grace, and his power, and his promises. We are, we, are to, we are to rehearse his attributes because to do so is, is, to, is to be reminded and to, to, to be drawn into worship. But additionally, we are to just enter into his presence. It's not just that we need to know more about God. We simply need to know God. We need to be with God. We need to relax in the presence of God who will guard our well-being. Paul says, the Lord is near, right? Don't be anxious. The Lord is near. Relax. Draw into his presence. Allow him to, to comfort you. He doesn't want you to be anxious. That's not his plan for you to be stressed like you're stressed. Now please understand, this is not, a, this is not based on our circumstances. Right? It's, Paul's circumstances were bad. For the, for the most part, many of your circumstances are, are much better than that. And the truth is, it's not that difficult to relax when everything is going well. Although many of you can't do that. Right? I mean, in light of the big picture, 
we're all in the 1%. We're, some of you are in the 0.01%, right? I mean, in light of world history and in light of the world, we got a whole lot more going for us than most people have. But some of you are still not able to relax. Some of you are still wound up because you haven't reached certain goals or you realize you never will or you reached them but they didn't fulfill you. And so please understand, this is not a, a, a piece that is tied to our immediate circumstances. But also understand, this is not a piece that is, that is ignoring these circumstances. Many people today are, are trying to escape from life. More today, I believe, than, than perhaps ever have ever tried. And the, the biggest means of escape is TV. Hey, it's just, it's, I'm going to not think about what's going on in my life right now. I'm going to be amused. I'm going to put my mind on hold. I'm not, I'm not going to think. I'm not going to process life. I'm not going to reflect on the day. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to the big questions. I'm not even entertaining the idea that maybe I feel miserable because, in fact, I'm making a lot of mistakes. I mean, maybe the fact that my heart is, is causing me so, so much stress is a good thing. It means that it still works. Because to do the things that I'm doing should cause me stress. I need to to step back and look at my life. I need to to look at what's going on in light of me. Many people don't want to do that at all. And the easiest way to fill downtime is to be amused. Literally to not think, right? The alpha in front of the word always negates it. A theist, an atheist, doesn't believe in God, right? Muse is to think. Amusement uh, is to not think. I'm not going to think. Just going to put everything on hold. So this is not that. <laughs> this is just a, this is a bigger understanding of what's going on. This is, a, this is a sense of well-being in light of the biggest picture. And that big picture only comes to us when we are aware of God God's plan, eternity, the big picture. We see all our circumstances, but we see them in light of a loving, powerful, gracious God. It's not a piece where we've figured everything out, where I know what God is going to do and it's going to be what I want. No, there's no promise of that. It's a peace that transcends all understanding that is rooted in the ultimate promises that we find in God. So, how do we get there? How do we stay there? Right? Because sometimes it, it is a fight. It is a struggle. It is a moment-by-moment struggle to not be anxious. How do we get there? Well, there's no formula I don't want to suggest that there's, there's just an easy three steps or a simple prayer to pray. There's no formula, but what I am going to say is we'll pick up there next week. <laughs> Let me pray for us. Lord God Almighty, there are, uh, there are many who have gathered here this morning 
uh, who are uh, desperate, who are, uh, who are agitated, who are anxious, and who don't want to be. Your word tells us not to be, and yet it seems elusive. I pray for them, Lord God, that, that they would be drawn deeper into your presence. Rejoice in you. They would, they, would, they would understand you more and your love and your care and your goodness. And they would, they would sense your presence, that you are near. And find that, uh, that peace. And I pray, Father, that we would uh, move to that kind of of uh, depth of our relationship with you that prevents the things that don't matter from robbing people of joy. Thank you that you don't want us to be anxious, and thank you that we don't have to be. Guide and direct us, fill us with your joy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.